0: Do you have a high interest in everything scary-related? If you do, then would you like to learn historical facts about our spooky culture? Did you one day wake up and think, what is the origin of all these spooky elements? And why do they hold meaning to only a small percent of people, while many others refuse to believe we live beyond an ordinary world? Well, you are not alone on that. My name is Vicky of the Mrs. Spooky Obsessed Podcast and in this channel I talk about not only my but also the public's obsession with all things weird, strange, unusual, horrifying, creepy, and scary. There are many things out there that make our world go round and I can't help but question what was the startup of all these scary things and how do they shape our livelihoods today? How are all things paranormal and supernatural tied into our social environments in terms of religion, politics, education, storytelling, entertainment, and more? As you take a break from your educational institution, join me during your vacation time this summer 2023 in an audio schooling experience. It's a spooky podcast you won't want to miss. Follow my Instagram and TikTok account at Mrs. Spooky Obsess, where updates and notifications will be shared with you on a weekly basis. Don't forget to drop a hashtag poison apple for your podcasting hosts. Until then, my spooky obsessed friends, I will see you this summer.
1: It's a ghost story unlike any other, or at least it was when it was written back in 1820. Yet in spite of its old age and haunting subject matter, this timeless narrative never fails to resurface each year, fittingly, around Halloween. So the story goes, a young schoolmaster by the name of Ichabod Crane moves into a small town in the Hudson River Valley It's the early days of the United States, and the citizens of this small farming village are a superstitious bunch, to say the least. Almost immediately upon moving in and taking up the position as the local schoolteacher, Ichabod was flooded with rumors and stories about the many ghosts said to haunt this quaint town. According to the locals, at least, the township was somewhat of a hotbed for paranormal activity, though no one was entirely sure why. Many believed it was due to the fact that this town was one of America's original colonial settlements, while others thought the close proximity of the Hudson River was to blame. But regardless of the cause, one thing remained true, This township had no shortage for ghost stories. However, one in particular stood out from the rest in Ichabod's opinion. And that, of course, was the story of the Headless Horseman. Back in the days of the Revolutionary War, the locals said to Ichabod, a young soldier was riding horseback through the area when he lost his life. Apparently, he had been ambushed by cannon fire, losing his head in the process. Eventually, his body was discovered, and the young soldier was buried in the town cemetery, just outside the church. Only, they never found his head, and as an unfortunate result, they say his soul was never able to find peace. Instead, this now headless horseman... Wanders the streets of the township at night, looking for his lost head, while seeking vengeance against those who took it from him. The legend of Sleepy Hollow, as I'm sure we all know and love, was of course based in fiction, only pulling small pieces of inspiration from the real life town in upstate New York. Although the themes interlaced throughout this tale are not entirely unfounded, In fact, at least for the citizens of San Diego, Texas, legends of a vengeful headless horseman are all too real. I'm Courtney Hayes, and you're listening to Haunts. Stay tuned. It was 1803, when the United States signed a treaty with France, And with it came approximately 828,000 square miles of land west of the Mississippi. And it was one hell of a bargain, too. Cashing in at about four cents an acre, the United States doubled in size in a matter of moments. And before long, the fledgling population was thrusted into a world of westward expansion and manifest destiny. For better or for worse, In the years that followed this Louisiana Purchase, the majestic yet unforgiving landscape of North America was explored. And with the admission of California in 1850, the United States literally stretched from sea to shining sea, inadvertently creating a wild and lawless territory in between. It was the gold rush that initially motivated the masses to venture out onto this untamed frontier. As it turned out, the prospect of unparalleled riches was enough to pique the interest of even the most unambitious of people. And if that wasn't enough to convince them, the Homestead Act's promise of 160 acres in farmland surely would. However, this is not to say that life on the great frontier was easy or glamorous. Along with the constant threat of disease in the elements, the western terrain of the United States was also a breeding ground for crime and anarchy during the 19th century. This, of course, was due to the government's otherwise short reach on a vast and relatively unclaimed wilderness, which, no doubt, was an equally attractive prospect to outlaws of all kinds. Between thieves, killers, and bandits, the Wild West became an unforgiving playground, and within that chaos is exactly where our story begins. Allow me, if you will, to take you back to August of 1850, when the summer sun was blazing over the South Texas plains. There, in the grassland, sits a man, known only by the name Vidal, who is currently plotting his next move. You see, Vidal had spent the last several months conning his fellow man, rustling cattle all across the Lone Star State, while racking up quite the bounty on his own head in the process. Before long, the posters started appearing everywhere he looked with the words wanted, dead or alive inscribed across the bottom. Word of his antics had eventually driven Videl out of town, leaving him with few resources and even fewer options. As it seemed, his luck and karma had finally caught up to him. If Fidel was wise, he would clear out now, take the riches he had stolen, and ride like hell towards the newly appointed southern border. Only his pride was standing in his way, and he would not be backing down without one last stand. As bad luck would have it, a perfect storm was brewing just to the north of where he stood. You see, in recent weeks, there had been raids through the Comanche Nation, and as a result, the conflict had called the vast majority of Texas Rangers away from the nearby settlements. Now, as you may have guessed, their absence presented a golden opportunity for Vidal to exploit. The way he saw it, if the Rangers were truly hundreds of miles away, then there would be no one to prevent him from carrying out his own raid of sorts. So he awaited nightfall, and under its cover, Videl and his goons rode to the nearby San Antonio River to retrieve a herd of stallions before riding south to Mexico. And the plan likely would have worked too, if it weren't for one minor detail, working against this band of thieves. As it turned out, this was not just any herd of stallions, as there was a rather special colt hidden in the drove. And in the end, it would be this lone horse that became Vidal's downfall. Though Vidal was ignorant to this fact at the time, the colt belonged to none other than Creed Taylor. Now, if you don't recognize the name, don't worry, you wouldn't be alone there. So allow me to fill you in. For some contextual background, Creed Taylor was not exactly an unknown individual to the settlers of South Texas in the 1850s. In fact, Taylor was one of the jurisdiction's most accomplished rangers, and evidently he had opted out of the Comanche raid to the north. Instead, Taylor stayed back in the southern jurisdiction, possibly even to deter any of the more opportunistic outlaws. From taking advantage of the otherwise tempting circumstances oh and not to mention this particular herd had been grazing well beyond the confines of taylor's property line meanwhile it seemed that Vidal was blissfully unaware of the severity in his situation or maybe he was too arrogant to care but regardless taylor wasn't one to take kindly to banditry especially when it was his prize stallion on the line So, after he enlisted the help of fellow ranger Bigfoot Wallace, as well as a neighbor named Floris, Taylor saddled up, and the three men rode after the bandits in haste. It wasn't long before Taylor and his posse finally caught up to Vidal, locating the outlaw camp just as they were settling in, for what they likely had thought would be a well-deserved and restful slumber. Only Cree Taylor had a different plan in store. Now, back in those days, many believed that theft of livestock was an act more serious even than murder. Which is likely why Wallace and Taylor intended to make an example out of their target. So, once Vidal and his men had fallen well into the realm of deep sleep, they emerged and attacked the bandits completely by surprise, beheading Vidal in the process. And while Taylor likely thought, that would be the last of it. This night, would haunt the South Texas Plains for centuries to come. It wasn't long before the rumors started. In the weeks that followed, Taylor's act of vigilantism, word of Vidal's death, spread through South Texas like wildfires. And with this news came a rather ghostly superstition. Apparently, the path that Vidal and his henchmen had been traveling on that fateful night was a decently trafficked road. And after he was slain, the cowboys, bounty hunters, and other various travelers who frequented the area noticed that things seemed different on the trail. In particular, there had been a number of reports about something not quite human lurking near the flowing waters of the San Antonio River. The entity was said to be little more than a shadow, but an incredibly large one, and those who had encountered the specter described it as the dark outline of a stallion with a lone rider, who, well, seemed to be missing its head. Then, upon further investigation, something even more bizarre came into view There, strapped to the saddle of this headless horseman, was a dangling severed head. Now being that this was the Wild West, the initial reaction was usually to draw and shoot at the horseman. But to the surprise and horror of these cowboys, the figure seemed relatively unfazed by their gunfire, which only gave credence to the idea that the Dell had returned from the dead and was now seeking revenge on his killers. Before long, stories of El Muerto, or the Headless One, started swirling around South Texas. And eventually, some of the more skeptical settlers began to question the validity of the tale. So, in the weeks that followed, a posse of local ranchers decided to investigate the claims for themselves. They saddled up and rode off in search of the Headless One. That so many of their neighbors had grown to fear and against all odds they found it only el muerto wasn't exactly what had been described at least not yet but what they did find was perhaps even more disturbing you see instead of discovering the shadow figure of a headless horseman they came across the body of none other than videl himself apparently at some point after he was killed Taylor and Wallace strapped Vidal's headless body to his horse before tethering his severed head to the saddle and sending the horse on its way to, for lack of better phrasing, terrorize any travelers who may have been passing through. Now this band of ranchers eventually agreed that this was no way to lay a body to rest, even if it did belong to a notorious and well-known outlaw. So they took Vidal's body from his horse and buried him in an unmarked grave, presumably where he still remains to this day. Now, like I said, Taylor and Wallace were at their wits' end with the banditry, so they had every intention of making an example out of Vidal. And with the send-off he was given, I think we can all agree, they definitely succeeded in that feat. Because even though the story was ultimately proven false, the legend is still around today, ever ingrained into South Texan lore. And if you're driving through the area that is today known as San Diego, Texas, then you may just come across the headless one for yourself. There is a theory in parapsychology that claims a connection between the human mind and the occurrence of paranormal activity. If this sounds familiar, then you would know. We discussed the theory at length in episode 2. But in case you missed it, allow me to clue you in. Theoretically speaking, the more we believe a ghost story to be true and factual, the more likely paranormal phenomena will manifest. Regardless of how true or fictitious the story itself actually is, we saw evidence of this theory in our discussions of the Goldbrook Covered Bridge, and here we are once again, discussing a haunt that is more or less based on assumption. As we all know by now, the legend of El Muerto was ultimately based on false claims of paranormal activity. And even though I wouldn't blame anyone for mistaking Vidal's body in its unceremonious state as a ghost. Well, it still doesn't change the fact that this was no spirit of a headless horseman. But all the same, encounters with the headless one were still frequently reported as the years passed. In 1917, for instance, a couple was traveling by covered wagon down the very same trail when they had an inexplicable experience. Even though It had been nearly a hundred years since the incident. The road to San Diego still felt eerily bleak. So as night fell, the couple eventually came to a stop, deciding to call it for the night and set up camp on the side of the trail, instead of trying to continue on in the darkness. That evening, the couple sat next to a roaring fire, likely cooking supper and seeking refuge from the darkness within its glow. And that's when they heard it, a sort of crying off in the distance, that unmistakably seemed to be approaching them at a rapid pace. Before they could even fully assess their situation, the source of the crying was upon them. Speeding by them on the trail was a grey spectral stallion, and as you likely guessed, perched atop this steed was a headless horseman. Oh, and if that wasn't enough, To make your skin crawl, you would likely want to know that this horseman was yelling, announcing for all to hear, It is mine. It is all mine. Now, for obvious reasons, the couple was incredibly startled by the encounter. So upon the following morning's first light, they climbed back into their wagon and hightailed it to San Diego. It was there that they made a formal report, and ultimately discovered what it is they had seen. As it appeared, the story of the Headless One may be more than just a legend. It was 1865 when Captain Maine Reed published his own legend of a Headless Horseman. But unlike Washington Irvings, famed legend of Sleepy Hollow. This narrative was more or less based in fact. The Headless Horseman, a strange tale of Texas, as Reed had entitled it, was a 20-part series that told the story of a headless horseman that haunted the plains of South Texas. And even though the stories told within these publications were purely fictional, you and I both know that the legend inspiring the series is all too real. Now, given the sheer popularity of these works, you don't have to look very far to find remnants of the legend today. For example, on the outskirts of San Patricio, Texas, there's a little-known spot that the locals have dubbed the Headless Horseman Hill. And according to one source, at least, The hill is just a hop, skip and a jump away from the old city cemetery, meaning that it's open to the public. So if you're brave enough, you can visit this location for yourself. But before you decide to make the trip out to this haunt, I encourage you to heed this warning. Do so at your own risk because you may just encounter the spirit of El Muerto. And if you do, Who is to stop him from enacting his revenge? This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes. If you've been enjoying the show so far, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review. A lot of work goes into each episode, and supporting the show in this way really helps us reach more listeners each week. It's entirely free and takes about 30 seconds, and it would genuinely mean the world to me. Also, if you're interested in learning more about today's topic, I greatly encourage you to check out the show notes section on our website at hauntscast.com. This is the location where I share my sources and provide any visual aid that may be referenced during the show. Finally, I would love to connect with you online. You can find me on Instagram at hauntscast, or you can join our email list for updates about the show. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, happy haunting.